Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome back in. Grayson Grudhafer, Sikkim365.com recruiting analyst. And Grayson, I, I would love to talk about recruiting uh, and how it's going, except some of that's kind of been lost in the crisis mode that Baylor fandom has been thrown into this week after the upset loss to Texas State. They, um, I think maybe everybody would feel better if it was Texas State, Long Island, and then Utah. Uh, so that maybe you could see them, you know, have kind of a get right game where you can make some mistakes, but Utah's coming in tomorrow uh, and this is an offensive line. I think overall, that's the biggest issue of the other issues they had that I don't know how you fix it in a week. Yeah. And I, I mean, they're facing a team that has a really, really good defensive line as well. So, I mean, the, the obvious thing to look at is, and, and the obvious thing I think to say is that Baylor is going to probably have a really tough time blocking Utah, a really tough time running the football, a really tough time protecting Sora Robertson. And I think all of that can be true. But I also think, you know, you mentioned the point of, oh, it might be better if they were playing Long Island this week. But I'm not so sure about that. And the reason for that is more so because I think Utah is actually in a position right now where it's much more likely they're going to have a letdown game this week than if they were able able to play kind of a softer opponent this week and then play Baylor the next week. Um, I think we have to remember they played a talented Florida team. Now, I don't think that's a very good Florida team, but a very talented one and one who upset Utah last year um, on the road in Gainesville. And so now, you know, Florida had to go into Utah, and Utah beat them really badly. They played a really good game and had a great game plan for Florida, but – I wonder coming into this game if it's actually an advantage for Baylor that Utah got up for that game, got a lot of excitement out, you know, beating Florida in a big time game on on ESPN prime time on a Thursday night. And now, you know, this might be a spot where they have a little bit of a letdown. And um, we'll see on that. But I also think on the flip side, this is a chance for Baylor to really come out with a lot of energy uh, after what happened to them last week. You would anticipate that Baylor is going to play a lot harder, a lot more physical. And if those two things happen, then watch out. Maybe Baylor can actually pull pull off the upset. Yeah, I I do think, you know, um, outside of the fact that Utah's got – I mean, it's just a team that's a lot lot more experienced than Baylor right now. But one of the things they don't – like Cam Rising, um, you know, not going to see Cam Rising unless everything we've heard is a lie, which, again, wouldn't surprise me. But even if that's true, you're talking about Cam Rising in his first game back from the ACL – they have some film on the backup quarterbacks now, so they the defense can work with that. So there are more positives than I think a lot of fans w- would want to see in all this, but it's it's still a daunting task because this is a Utah team that is incredibly fundamentally sound, and they just don't make stupid mistakes. Yeah, and that that's something we definitely saw against Florida. I mean, they dominated the – they won the turnover battle. They dominated in third down. Florida couldn't convert a third down to save their lives. They struggled in the red zone. So, yeah, I mean, Utah is very fundamentally sound, and we know that about them. But 
One thing that I also want to point to, Paul, a really interesting stat that I uh, that I kind of looked up this week because I was curious. You know, I know Utah's got a great home field advantage, but I wanted to see how Utah did on the road. And since 2019, uh, Utah is 35 and 13 total. That's their total record. Uh, 12 of those 13 losses have come on the road or on a neutral site. They've only lost once at home during that time period. So, I mean, 12, 12 losses on the road or on a neutral site kind of shows you how different they are at home versus on the road. And you also have to take into account, I mean, they are playing backup quarterbacks who got to come into a game very prepared because they've been preparing all offseason for Florida. And now they're coming into a different test on the road. And I think that could be a big problem for them. Now, if Cam Rising plays, I don't think that the road atmosphere is really going to get him too much. Um, but I don't expect him to. And I do think these uh, inexperienced backups will have a little bit tougher of a time than they did against Florida in a matchup they were very prepared for. Great. I mean, you know, look, Florida won last year, but that was really on the back of Anthony Richardson too. So let's not let's not leave his that little detail out of it. And he's was the third pick in the draft. But um but yeah, I I I I, I am concerned over the like just the long haul of the offensive line was the thing that I think we 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 thought we knew more about than we did, and I, I just don't know how you fix that with the schedule they have coming up. I mean, they, they, that's something that takes kind of time to build, and they just looked off, really off and, and kind of out of place uh, on Saturday night. I mean, you really have to hope that a lot of it is just maturing. I, I mean, a big part of their lack of success was the false start penalties. I mean, if you go look at those false starts, if you get rid of those, I mean, Baylor could have scored, you know, maybe three more times if you don't, if those don't happen. And Honestly, Dave Randa mentioned the simple fact that it was young guys or guys who haven't been in this position before that were playing in their first game and kind of let the, the jitters and the nerves get to them. And you would think that in game number two, they're maybe able to correct that or maybe, you know, they make a personnel change. Maybe Eric Mateos decides to switch things up a little bit and bring in other guys and give them an opportunity. But I really do think that was a big deal last week and a big thing that really stuck out to me was just missed opportunities and even when the offense line was struggling which it was for sure they still had moments where you know they created a big hole or created a big run or created a pocket long enough to make a play um, but it just wasn't consistent and there was a lack of attention to details that really really cost them so I'm curious if this week they're a little bit better about that they clean that up and just do enough right well I'm not expecting an elite performance we know Utah's defense line is great, but I am expecting Baylor's offense line to play a lot better and at least be more sound and fundamental than they were in week one. Grayson, I think quarterback for Baylor, I mean, obviously all year is going to be kind of interesting because, you know, two to three weeks they say with Blake Shapin, but, you know, you never know. I mean, like he's hurt his MCL that – it's got to get it's got to get better you know so how long that happens you know is he in the is he ready to go when they need him three weeks from now whatever it is but uh he was not really the problem on on Saturday night yeah he could have done some things better but the offensive line we've well documented already in this in this very conversation about how much it struggled Blake Shapin had a pretty good night now he's probably closer to his ceiling than Sawyer Robertson is to his. So having Sawyer Robertson get the two, three, maybe even four games under his belt as a starter, I, I can't see it as a bad thing unless, 
um, he is just not good, which I, I don't think is the case. I think he's got a very high ceiling. I mean, I'm going to go a step further on what you said about Blake Shapen. I think he was not just good or solid. He was great in that first game. I mean, the simple fact of the matter is he was playing with a sprained MCL from the very beginning of the third quarter on and was still making a ton of plays for this team despite getting no protection, having no run game. I mean, I you know, you could definitely make a case that if he doesn't get hurt, Baylor maybe comes back and wins that game. That's how well he was playing. And while I don't put all the stock into PFF grades, I mean, for him to be the third highest rated quarterback in the entire country with the offensive line that you and I saw on Saturday, that is almost a miracle for that to happen. So I think it does point to kind of the improvements that he made, the improvements at wide receiver and kind of maybe a path to what his production might have looked like all season long. But you're exactly right. He's hurt now, so you got to move on. Dora Robertson, like you mentioned, very high ceiling, high upside. His problem during the offseason was kind of getting used to this new offensive scheme as he was coming from an air raid at Mississippi State, moving to this wide zone scheme, and just figuring all those things out. Um, But I do think there is a unique factor that he brings to the table, uh, his size and his running ability are definitely something that is going to be different than what Baylor had with Blake Shapin. And I expect them to utilize that on Saturday. And it could be something that definitely helps the offensive line as well. Right. I mean, when you have a guy that's a little more mobile, uh, just forces them to put more guys in the box or at least focus their attention on Stuart Robertson a little bit uh, more as a runner, I think that could be very beneficial and should give them opportunities to have at least a few more one-on-one matchups with, Monterey Baldwin, Keytron Jackson, Hal Presley, and give those guys an opportunity to go make some plays. So it is intriguing, and Baylor brought him in for a reason. They won a quarterback battle over TCU for Sora Robertson, so we know he's very, very talented. It's just a matter of does that talent come to the come forward immediately, or does it take him some time? Yeah, I think the positive notes, um, you know, the defense – there's it's kind of muddled for me. I mean, they, they didn't have a great night either, Grayson, but we could really get in the weeds with all why that was an issue. Uh, anyway, but offensively, you know, they need to run the ball against Utah, but we saw a lot of good things from the wide receivers, which was kind of the biggest question mark of, do they have guys who can go up and get the ball? Yes, they do. They did not have that last year. That was the, that was the thing. I think they had, had athletes, but they didn't have wide receivers necessarily. You have guys who can run and jump, but nobody who can win. I think we saw that with Keytron Jackson and Hal Presley the other night. Yeah, we definitely did. And, I mean, this was something that just comes with age, right? I mean, Hal Presley was on the team last year, and you saw flashes here and there, but consistency, I think, was the biggest thing that they were missing last year. Because you'd have Hal Presley against Texas Tech look like a guy that's going to win a lot of one-on-one balls, but then you go look at other games from the year, and you just go, okay, well, that's not really going to work or he's not open, you know, hardly ever. And that really made things tough on the offense in general. And so now you bring in a guy like Keetron Jackson, who is a true alpha. And, you know, for Baylor fans that missed that, I mean, he was so good uh, on Saturday and really had an opportunity for even more. I, I think the one Blake Shapin got hit on a throw that would have been down the sideline and it ended up being a pop fly in the middle of the field and it dropped down for an incompletion, but if he doesn't get hit, that's probably a 60-yard touchdown. Um, so there are things to watch there with him. He's very, very good. And then if they can get Monterey Baldwin going, which was really mystifying on Saturday, how he just simply didn't play a ton. Jonah Burton 
played a lot of snaps and Monterey dropped a two or three, I think he dropped two passes, including the one that would have brought them back into the game late in the fourth quarter. So they really need to get him going as well. And hopefully uh, after this week, they'll have Jordan Neighbors back as well, who should be able to come in and provide a spark. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to be optimistic about offensively. And then defensively, you know, they're hoping to get some guys back this week. And obviously they're not going to have Garmin Randolph or Devin Lemire, uh, but guys like Jarrell Boykins and Chateau Reed, if they can get them back into the lineup, I think that would be really helpful, especially Jarrell Boykin, because uh, he was the guy brought in to play nose tackle and not replace Apuika, but definitely come in and solidify that position. And so if they can get him back, I think that will really help them in the interior of that defensive line. Uh, all that being said, Grayson, I think all of us picked Baylor to lose this game on Sikkim 365 this week because they are playing the two-time defending Pac-12 champ. But if they can – if they can pick this to be the get-right game, that would maybe send a message to everybody who who's written them off already after the Texas State loss. Yeah, and you know, Paul, there's actually one Sikkim 365 writer who actually picked Baylor this week. And there's only one. Uh, everyone else picked against Baylor, and I was actually the one who did oh, you pick did. Baylor this week. I did. Uh, 27-24 is the score that I'm going with. I just, I really, really view this as a trap game for Utah. I do. And, and Utah's the better team. If these teams played later in the season on a neutral side and they have Sam Rising, I would expect Utah to beat Baylor rather easily. But in this game, I mean, college football is so much about momentum, about uh, timing, about situations. And Baylor coming off of a really tough loss versus Utah coming off of a, a really key and important win for them. And now they got to go on the road and get up for another big a game that's going to be on ESPN. I, I just really, I, I would be very surprised if Baylor didn't play this game very close, come out and play with a renewed energy and a sense of purpose. And for that reason, I picked them. I, I think it's going to be a grinded out type game, though. All right, Grayson Gruday for Sikkim365.com. Ever the optimist. Grayson, we'll talk to you next week. All right, later, guys. All right, there you go. You can read Grayson's score prediction. And Garrett, I'm, I'm a little worried he's... Yeah. Has he been, like, taking mushrooms or something? I don't know. No, I, I mean, he might be. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. But, I, yeah, look, I can I can see paths where Baylor can do that. It's just that either everything was bad at the same time last week, coincidentally, or they've got problems. And I, I just – I kind of lend to the, the more common thing if they've got some problems. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't just the – the way they got dominated on both sides of the ball in the trenches, I'd be a little more optimistic, man, especially on the offensive line. Like, there's literally no room for error because if you let Sawyer Robertson get hurt, good Lord, it is over quick. And uh, that's why I'm a little nervous with this team. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, then everybody gets to see the fun little third-string quarterback. That, yeah. Uh, you know, R.J. Martinez, you know, fans get really excited but until you, you have to play the third-string quarterback. But yeah. we'll see. Roadmedianetwork.com.